you're in the room, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Stand up. Stand up. <laughs> We're going to do it. I have the microphone. I have all the authority. <laughs> I'm just playing. Yeah, stand up. Why not? Or don't. Whatever. I'm not going to come back to you. But yeah, if you're in the room, stand up with us. If you're, if you're checking us out online, uh, don't be a spectator. Uh, join in with us this morning. Life, hallelujah, you are. 
will bow down. I will bow down at the foot of my King. I lay my burden down, and all that's in me sings. You are my life. standing can I ask you to stand and we'll read scripture together in the beginning the word already existed 
The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. Dark, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Amen. a sinner now I'm clean once condemned now I'm made free he turned my darkness into light and now I see once in ashes there's beauty once in pieces I'm complete My Redeemer now resides He lives in me Oh, He is alive And I am bound to death no
Holy, 
pretty good. You know, I just, I just want to say, uh, as I begin, in light of that song, and you know, there's a, there's a lot of distraction in the church today, and I just want to encourage you, you just keep your focus on Jesus, please, on the Trinity. You just, the Holy Spirit is in you if you're a child of God. You have the Word of God in front of you that teaches about the character of God throughout history and what He's done on our behalf. And Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. You can talk to Him. And I just, I just want to plead with you, don't get wrapped up in all of this. You just keep your focus on Jesus because He is real, no matter what guys like me end up doing. And uh, I, I just... Too much energy there. There's like a balance. But I, I, I am very serious that we need, to, we need to keep focus. There's some stuff that, you know, it's gone on with Hillsong this week. It seems like the cards, the house of cards is falling, but Jesus Christ's house never falls. Amen. And uh, I, just, I just want to encourage you with that. Um, and it's really, really important to me in this culture and as a pastor that as much as you have high expectations for me, and you should, uh, and as much as... We want to focus on the Lord, and I want to be right with what I teach and how we lead as elders. I just want to remind you that ultimately this is between you and God, and we come together corporately to encourage and spur each other on to love and good deeds. So don't let any of this distraction take away from what God is doing in your life. Um, but I do want to say it's real. It's real. We are very sinful people, and if we do not have proper accountability, we end up falling. And uh, so what a privilege to hear you sing what an awesome thing. Is it not beautiful out? Isn't our God good? You know, it rained this week. We didn't have the storm they expected this week. We had the storm they didn't expect last week. It's just an exciting time, isn't it? And I hope you enjoy this morning. I came here. I was the first one in. I drove in the parking lot. It was empty, and the sun was coming up over the chicken plant. You could smell the guts and stuff. <laughs> Such a lovely morning. <laughs> I do have a, I do have a, a couple of announcements that I do want to make, and they're, they're of, of great importance. If you have been interested in going on a short-term mission trip to Brazil especially, there's a meeting at 5 o'clock tonight. You are not signing up if you come, but you will learn everything you need to know about it. And I want to, I want to tell you, there are two mission trips this summer, one to Guatemala and one to Brazil. Both are going to take place uh, mid-summer, and I want to encourage you that if God has laid it on your heart to go, Please don't let money keep you from going. We will make sure one way or another you get there if that's what the Lord has called. So uh, tonight at 5 o'clock, super important uh, that you are at that meeting to find out all the stuff you need to. So that'll be right here at 5 o'clock tonight. Uh, one other announcement, and uh, this, is, this is also of BAFO, uh, super important, gnarly importance. That's California coming out. Um, and that is that uh, this last few months, Alicia and her team have taken Wednesday night and started separating the boys and the girls. And uh, we have, uh, she has found that it's a highly effective way uh, for them to do ministry. But with that, uh, some of our boys, are, they're meeting around the fire. I mean, it's, it's awesome. They've, they've started doing a new thing on Wednesday nights. And we need a couple more men that have a heart for these young, these, uh, young children. Uh, it is, Annie, what's the age there? I know you're not even listening to me. You're talking to your sister-in-law. It's K through 5th, and uh, we, they, they often meet around a fire. If it's nice, okay, you can continue your, your conversation. Would you guys text each other so it's not a distraction? I'm just teasing. Um, they're going to be like, uh, I don't know, it's going to be a long afternoon. Um, 
But, the, but uh, if, if this is in your heart, if, if you love that age group twice a month, we just need you. We need a couple things. Number one, we, uh, we need folks to teach those kids. But most of all, what we need is just to pour into their lives. Go sit with them. Go be with them. Crowd control. When they start, it is crowd control. When they start getting into fourth and fifth grade, they need to be beat into submission and all that stuff. I'm teasing. Social services, I, I was a joke. But, but seriously, this is a huge ministry, and we really need men to do it. So would you pray about that, guys? It, like I said, it would be, it's, a, it's twice a month. If you don't have a ministry, boy, this is, this is one that would really, really uh, be helpful. And, and, and it's, a, it's just significant. And what they're doing out there is really important. And these, these guys, um, man, we have a couple guys, they really respond to men, um, and even more than women. And so uh, that's that. So uh, that's that announcement. Um, I want to pray together. And I want God to speak to us uh, in a very special and personal way this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you uh, that we can gather in a group, a larger group, and we can hear from you individually. And I thank you for your word that doesn't return void. I thank you for the privilege of us cooperating together to disciple the next generations. And, and as the world debates over who's in charge of the education system in this country, as the world debates over who should have the final say of what's taught in the public schools, as the world debates what their value system is, none of that is in question here. Because you are our king. You are the holy one. We submit not to the elders, but to you, Lord. And as elders and pastors, we submit to you. I'm not the senior pastor of this, shop, this flock. You are. And my, my desire, my goal, my job description is to share with them what you want to say to them, not what I think should happen or my opinions, but yours. And so I pray this morning that we would hear from you. And Lord, in a, in a group this large here in this room and on, on the internet, we know that there are folks, I know that there are folks here today who know you but are not surrendered to you. I know there are folks who are, who are surrendered but, but tired and weary. And then there are folks who don't even know you. May today be the day that our, uh, the way we see you and our life and our surrender is completed in our relationship with you. Um, Father, tr speak to us. Transform us from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are certain verses that I bring up a lot because they have been so pivotal in my walk with God. Um, as most of you are aware, I was born into the church. Uh, I went to Tim LaHaye's church as a baby. For a while, we left that church. And then we went back to Scott Memorial Baptist Church, uh, where David Jeremiah had taken over as pastor. They changed the name in recent years to Shadow Mountain Community. But I, I went to high school at David Jeremiah's Christian High School. I mean, I, and then I went off to Moody Bible Institute. As I've said in the past, not so recently, but I am the product of the local church. I am everything that every parent wishes their kid would be. I'm just kidding. But, but I am the product. I went to Christian high school. I went to public school all the way up through junior high. Went to a Christian high school. My parents invested in all that. I had the greatest disciplers around me. I went to a phenomenal youth group. Just all that stuff. But it is amazing as I go through Scripture just how much, is, how much difference I see the Christian life now than I did growing up. And I'm not saying that I was taught these things, but I sure caught them. I caught them all the time. And one of the verses that has been so impactful in my life of recent years is Romans 12 too, 
we all ask the question, so how, is, how do I know the will of God? How do I know, um, you know, how am I transformed? And this verse actually answers that. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. So take a breath. That's a statement. So whatever it is he's about to say, don't do it like the world does it. And what's he going to talk about? Transformation. So we're not supposed to be transformed the way the world does it. How does the world do it? By, by uh, just psychotherapy or, or sheer uh, personal will. But actually let God transform you into a new person. And it tells us how. What, how? By changing the way our think, we think. So uh, uh, while, while there's a statement in a lot of the church, and I, I kind of understand it, fake it till you make it, this true life transformation is inside out, not outside in. I mean, that's what he's talking about. Let God transform you. Who does the transforming God? By changing the way you think. And then you'll know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know, we keep going, what is God's will for me? Well, first you need to be transformed from the inside out. What does God want from me? Paul is, or Peter, or Paul in this passage in Romans 12, Paul is telling us to let God transform our behavior by changing the way we think. Davy was two years old with leukemia when he was taken by his mother, Deborah, to the Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston to see Dr. John Truman, who specializes in treating children with cancer and various blood diseases. Dr. Truman's prognosis, uh, prognosis was devastating. This young boy would have a 50-50 chance of living. They would continue tests. They would treat him with the best they had. But countless clinic visits, blood tests, intravenous drugs, the fear and the pain could only be watched by his mother as he watched his child hurt. He understood as he would sit in the waiting room week after week, day after day, for the treatments that were excruciating, that what the doctors and nurses and his friends would do, poking and prodding, would hurt, but they would eventually help him. Uh, one day, he went into the clinic to get a spinal tap. This is a painful procedure at any age. It was explained to him that because he was sick, Dr. Truman had to do something to make him better. If it hurts, Deborah said, remember it's because he loves you. The procedure was horrendous. It took nurses to hold David still while he yelled and sobbed and struggled. When it was almost over, the tiny boy, soaked in sweat and tears, looked up at the doctor, and this is a true story, and he said, thank you, Dr. Truman, for my hurt. This is emotional for me because I can hear my grandson saying something like that. Thank you for my hurt. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in His suffering so that you will have wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it's revealed to all the world. So be happy. Remember that first verse I read, Romans 12? Let God change your behavior by changing the way you think. Little Davy understood that pain was the path which, with, with which he might become healthy. So be happy when you're insulted for being a Christian, for then the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. 
But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by His name. For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what a terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news. And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what's going to happen to the godless sinners? So if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, There's a suffering that pleases God? Just keep on doing what's right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for He will never fail you. These words must have sent a chill up the spine of each of the readers of this letter. And I want to remind you, this isn't a book of a Bible, although it is, but it actually is a letter. It was a letter written by the Apostle Peter to other Roman Christians, Gentiles predominantly, who were struggling with the the rise in animosity that they were feeling. They felt like things were not just bad, but about to get worse. And while we have no knowledge at this point for sure as to whether or not they were physically enduring persecution, they clearly knew that it was on the close horizon. There's a lot of similarities between today and and then. And Peter, unfortunately for them, wrote a letter that was going to encourage them. He wrote this letter to encourage them, but the problem is, at every turn, he's actually validating their fears. Their fears, when they seem to ask Peter what's going on, and we don't have that letter or that communication, but they seem to be saying, we feel like exiles. Jerusalem has rejected our salvation because we're not Jews and we haven't been circumcised, and our families and our jobs, and, and Rome is saying we're too Nero, 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 we're too Nero-minded. We're too narrow-minded. They're rejecting us, and now we're beginning to be persecuted, and our, and our Caesar, our king, doesn't like us. What's going on? And Peter writes it to say, I got bad news. You're right. You are exiles. We feel like exiles. I got good news and bad news. Well, what's the bad news? You're right. What's the good news? Your citizenship is in heaven. That's a summary of everything we studied. I know we're biting it off small pieces, but we really need transformed thinking. That's why I love doing these verses. God has to change the way we perceive the world. God has to change the way we see our country. God has to change the way we see our own lives and our homes. He's got to change that in order for us to live lives which honor Him. And that's what's happening through this. They were now following Christ as their Lord and King. And as a result, they were being alienated from the very value system of the world, what they were comfortable with. And the people around them didn't like it. And what does Peter say to that? 1 Peter 4.12a, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through. What an unfortunate use of terms. Again, I want to be clear. We don't know exactly when in Nero's reign this happens. During the second letter, 2 Peter, and we'll get into that when we're done with 1 Peter, but during the second letter, it is clear that persecution has begun. We, you will see that he alludes to Colosseum where Christians are fed to, said to, fed to ferocious animals. All that takes place. But in the first letter, we don't know how far along it's come. Maybe they're experiencing persecution, maybe not. But if he chooses, and by the way, the Greek word for this is pyro. You know that word. It's the word pyromaniac comes from. It just means obsessed with fire. It is, it is unfortunate 
If it hasn't happened yet, and let me give you some history, you remember that Nero turns the country against Christians by burning Rome down and blaming Christians. It's not long after that that open persecution takes place. And one of the things that was most popular for Nero to do is to have parties in his garden, and he would take live followers of Jesus, dip them in hot oil, light them on fire, and they would run around the garden. And it it was like a lightscape at night. This is an unfortunate use of terms if that hasn't happened yet because it's literally about to happen. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through. And if they have already experienced, if Rome has already burned, if people are already being lit on fire for following Christ, wow, what an image. And if we get this letter from Peter, we're going, (laughs) that's kind of funny, but it's not really that funny, Peter. I mean, just imagine the impact of that carefully chosen phrase. Peter's encouragement to them wasn't, don't worry, God's going to come take care of you right now, or this is going to stop, or Nero's going to fall, or I condemn him in the name of Jesus. His response is, his encouragement is, don't be shocked. Don't be shocked at this kind of brutality. He's actually saying that what what was once rare What was once a rare incident of persecution is now going to spread throughout the whole Christian church and they shouldn't be surprised or shocked by it. And the truth is, as we study this together, it's really hard for us to fathom here in the United States. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around, which is why, sidebar, you need to get out of the States. This is one of the reasons why the elders many years ago and the mission investment team and our, we, we, look, There is a pushback just about every year I get once or twice on our mission trips. Wouldn't it be more efficient to just send money to people living there and then they can take care of it? And the answer is yes, but our goal isn't efficiency. What is Uncle Sam? 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 What does Uncle Sam have to do with the Word of God? You understand, this is precious time. Of all the hours we have every week, we should be studying God, thinking about God, reflecting on how we interact with God. We shouldn't be celebrating America. Well, why not? Are you not a patriot? Not as much as I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm supposed to seek first the kingdom and then second the United States. But the truth is, when you go to another country and you sit down with another believer in another context, you realize that that one thing, that only one thing you have in common is bigger than anything else you don't have in common. It's huge. It changes it. It changes you. All of a sudden, and I'll give you an example. I have been to India on a a couple of occasions. I think three. And on each of those occasions, I spent time not with the government, but with people. Poor pastors all over the place. In these little places, I got to dedicate, for some reason, and this is part of their mojo, they like to have American pastors come and dedicate their churches. And so they make a big plaque. And when I would go there on this tiny building, this this concrete structure that's tiny, and and you would go in, and on the wall, they, they would pull a cloth off, this beautiful cloth, and there's my name on it dedicated to the Lord in whatever year by Pastor Mark Wilkie and the Carpenter's Way Baptist Church of Lubkin, Texas. 
And it's like, we didn't pay for that. We didn't, I, I just showed up to be here on a mission trip this week. To them, that's important. But the, but the thing is, those people right now, okay, let me, let me bring it into context. I'm watching what's going on in, uh, you know, Russia and, all, and the war, and I'm, I'm kind of watching India not jump in, and my flesh is all in, you know, it's like, what are you doing? You can't just destroy a nation, blah, blah, blah. We're more sophisticated than that, blah, 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 Mark's feelings. And I watch India on the sidelines, and I hear that because they buy coal from Russia, and I'm watching that. And all of a sudden, I'm like, well, they can fall with Russia. And all of a sudden, I go, yeah, but I got people there. And how about Russia as we're praying for Ukraine? You know, we support missionaries in Russia. Do, do we want to nuke those people? Now, now, my flesh sometimes, when I'm watching a Clint Eastwood movie, might want to. I'm tired of living in fear of the Soviet Union. I grew up with it. I'm tired of living in fear of Russia. Let's just hit that button and get it over with. Or China. Zach's got a friend who is actually a youth pastor in China. See, that's what happens. You already know. Do I really want that country nuked? What happens to my brothers and sisters? You see, all of a sudden, the value of the kingdom goes up and the value of the world goes down. And I'm not saying that I'm still not politically passionate and I'm not still not conservative. And for those of you who are not, I say that so you can filter my political words. But you understand that politics is down here, America's down here, and God is up here. That's why we send you. That's why we invest in you. Not just because we think you can impact them, but because we know that God will impact you. It's very hard to come back and not be changed. Right? Those of you who've been? And I actually think most of you have been. But if you need to go back, this is why you need to go, because it, it changes your politics. It doesn't make you liberal. It makes you thoughtful. And before you pull the trigger and kill somebody, you better know what you're killing. Agreed? Even if you, I've got a concealed carry license. <laughs> Pastors aren't supposed to. You're my congregation. I am protecting myself. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, the truth is, all of a sudden you start going, would I, would I really send somebody into eternity? And those are questions that need to be asked, right? I mean, we don't flippantly kill people, right? And, and that's kind of what's going on. That's why, that's why we go, because all of a sudden you realize that beyond the walls of nation, beyond the lines, there is the family of God. And we're all struggling. We're all trying to, we're all trying to balance out life and the plan of God. Patriotism, whether it's Russian patriotism, Ukrainian patriotism, America patriotism, Indian patriotism, and God. I think Americans think, I thought, I asked this dumb question, this is a little embarrassing, but we've gone way beyond embarrassing with me. But I remember sitting, and I, I think it was Cecil, did I go, I, I went on a trip with you, right? You were leading it? And I, I, he was, I think it was he and I, we were walking around meeting people in this little village, and we were just talking, and, and we were like, it was the night I preached, live or die. Remember the, and um, we were talking to this family, and I wanted to ask, and I knew I shouldn't, but I just asked, I said, what do you think of the United States? And their answer was, I think nothing of the United States. How dare they not think anything about the United States? Have they not seen our beautiful flag? But the fact was, they were fishing every day to feed themselves, and we were offering them freedom in Christ, something that the Catholic Church doesn't offer them through relationship with Him. And you know what? Freedom 
is what we were there to talk about, not politics. And I wasn't there to talk about politics. I just wanted to, I was curious. I was curious of what they knew. They lived in a little village. And their answer was, I don't care. Wow. How fascinating was that? You see, the truth is that we are not ambassadors of the United States here, unless that's your occupation. And when you go to other countries, I think you should represent us well. I'm not saying that's unimportant. I'm just saying that's not your job. We are actually ambassadors to the kingdom of God. And you all know that. We are actually the hotspot of God's presence in the world. We've seen the video I showed you where that's one of the roles Jesus Christ preached. And as we come into the Passion season, you're going to read a lot of verses. You're going to see some things that happened days before Jesus' arrest. And one of the things he said is, um, this temple is going to be destroyed and I'm going to raise it three days later. And you know he's talking about himself. One of the things Jesus Christ came to be is the temple. And where did he go to be the temple? He didn't go to the religious places. He went out where the sinners were. Remember that the religious leaders hated Jesus because he spent time with sinners, prostitutes and thieves and tax collectors. And they even asked his disciples who wouldn't go in the room. If you remember that one conversation that they have with Jesus' disciples, why does your rabbi go and spend time with sinners? And the disciples are all, ask him yourself. And Jesus, who hears them talking outside, actually says, because I didn't come to save those who think they're clean, I came to save those who know they're dirty. You see, when Jesus ascended into heaven, if you read the prayer of John 17, you realize that he left us to carry on his ministry. That's why you're still here. You're not here just buying time until, until you're raptured or until the next life. That's not what we're doing, although it feels like that. We are here planted in East Texas to be missionaries to East Texas religious people. And how is that? By not being religious, but, 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 but by being transformed. And what happens... Well, let's get back to our text. As part of that, as temporary residents and strangers, actually, we have a friend. Julie has a friend that, that was in our wedding. Was Susie in our wedding? She was in our wedding, and her husband is a State Department employee. Can I say this? In Russia. Yeah, because he's been writing articles. In Moscow, and they're waiting to be taken out. And we know these people, and, and they are naturally hated as American citizens in a foreign country. And you know why? For the same reason that if there was a Russian embassy here, that you would be suspect of them, even if they came to church here, you'd be going, hmm. I think over time you might build a relationship, but there's just natural. Well, imagine how much worse it is when we as the temple of the Holy Spirit actually live holy lives and the world is filled, filled with guilt and shame because they don't. There's natural enmity between between ambassadors and the places they're living unless those people want to become part of that nation. And it's no different for believers. And that's why in 1 Peter 4.12, he says, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. And it's super important for us to remember as we go into the, to the end times more, every day we get closer to the return of Christ, are you saying that Christ is going to return in our lifetime? Not necessarily, I'm not saying that. But I know today we're closer than we were last week. But as things get darker, as the world gets more depraved, as things get weirder out there, I do know one thing. It's going to get more difficult for the children of God. Agreed? Because they not only, they don't just hate that we're religious. They don't mind that at all. They hate that we believe that there is salvation in no other name but Jesus Christ. They are offended that we have standards that God established. Like adultery. Please remember, Christians, that God is not any more against 
he is not any more for heterosexual adultery than he is homosexual adultery. The church acts like God is more offended at at gay relationships. Well, just to be clear, God is just as offended at liars and thieves and disrespectful kids, and it's sin. Sin is what offends God, and we act like there are some sins that are bigger. There are not some sins that are bigger. It's destroying our country. A hundred countries going to hell anyway. God didn't save countries. He saves people. And this is where our mind has to begin to be transformed, that we're not at war with morality. We are at war with immoral people or, or, the, or the father of immoral people so that they can become declared moral by a holy God. That's how you got here, right? I mean, if we were to actually have you write down how your last week went spiritually, I'll bet if I said, tell me, write down three things you did for God, it would take you 15 minutes. But if I said, write down three things you did that you shouldn't have done, it'd take you 10 seconds. We struggle with this. And that's, that's why grace is grace. But he wants us to understand that persecution's been going on since the very, very beginning. In fact, 1 John 3.12 says, we must not be like Cain. So this is the grandson of Adam and Eve, or the son of Adam and Eve. You don't want to be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Here's the answer, because Cain had been doing what was evil, and his brother had been doing what was righteous. That's called persecution. Abel is dead simply because Cain is wicked and he was righteous. The value system of a righteous man or woman is very different from the unrighteous. The unrighteous, the unsaved, the unholy, lives for the insatiable desire to get more of what pleases them. It can be drugs, it could be alcohol, it could be sex, it could be it could be eating. Anything, whatever pleases you. It could be politics. It could be, it doesn't matter. It's lust. That's what lust is. Lust is not an, and the word doesn't mean sexual. It just means a continual desire for more. If you are not a child of God, and I would argue that much of the church today, and I would refer you to the Hillsong show or the American Gospel video, even the church today, they are seeking in the name of God what they want, not what God wants. And this stands in direct opposite of that. The unrighteous lives for whatever gives them more of what they want. Self-pleasure. The righteous lives for the desire to please God and fulfill his God-given task in life, even if it's inconvenient and it gets them killed. The unsaved, the unsurrendered lives for self. The surrendered lives for God. The unsaved, eventually it jettisons the saved because it makes them feel guilty the saved says, okay, they can jettison me. I refer you to Stephen or Peter when he's hung upside down on a cross or Paul who lost everything for simply following God. As hard as it is on us personal, personally, when, we are sinful, when, a, when a sinful self-focused person comes face to face with a man or woman of God, the temple of God, the hot spot of his presence on earth, he is faced or she is faced with a choice. And I I want you to understand, so what am I doing here? I want you to understand why persecution happens. Persecution doesn't happen just because you're a jerk. In fact, I'm going to get here and say that's not persecution. Peter addresses that. But persecution happens naturally because of what and whose you are. You, my brother and sister, are filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I want to say it again. If you are saved, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, Romans says you're not saved. 
The difference between a saved person and an unsaved person is the presence of the Holy Spirit. How do you know you're saved? Not because you walked an aisle or got baptized, but because the fruit of his presence is oozing out of you. And the world hates that. Hollywood is not at war with the church because we're religious. If you actually, while you're watching TV sometime, I dare you to Google, when you're bored, Google, I don't know, name the character. Find their real name. Most of them grew up Catholic or religious. Most of them are still religious. It's just a religion that is devoid of responsibility or accountability. You see, what you and I are in this world is not just leading people to Christ. We are testimonies to the Christ. In other words, Jesus, you could make the... Okay, so if Jesus spent 33 years and three and a half years at the end of his life doing nothing but ministering, how many people ended up worshiping in the upper room after the ascension? Can somebody please tell me that? 120? 120. I would say, from modern American standards, Jesus was a ministry failure. They killed him, he ascends into heaven, and there's only 120 left. It tells us that over 500 people saw him rise from the dead. We think that if people are convinced that God is real, they'll worship. That's simply not true. If you look at the whole Jewish religious leadership team, they killed him because they knew it was true. It, said that, it tells us in John that the religious leaders of the day, while knowing that God had sent Jesus to them, refused to worship him because they did not want to be thrown out of the temple. So there's our choice. The choice are, are we Christian religious people or are we followers of Jesus? And if you're a follower of Jesus, the road on this side of eternity is going to be rough. Well, I live in the Bible Belt. It's not going to be rough. I assure you, if you stand out for what's true, they're going to think you're a cult. Why? Because you're taking this too seriously. You shouldn't let people mistreat you. So you're telling me that I should be okay with Biden being president. No, you should be okay with God being king of kings. So I shouldn't do anything. Never said that. You should vote, and then you should go to lunch. You should go on with your life. Well, what is my life? To be a living and holy sacrifice. To actually submit to the king. I don't like this king. That's not part of the thing. It's, it's a trouble thing. It's an upside-down kingdom. It's a value system that doesn't make sense unless God is transforming how you, what you value. Just, this, is just more, just, this is just more things you've got to do if you are not being transformed in the way you think. And, and I've got to tell you something. When I grew up in the church, much it feels like, and I, I want to give some room, but it feels like most of what I was taught was uh, pure self-will. Stop sinning. Stop lusting. Stop... And even if by pure self-will you did that, you would go to something else. It could be gossip, it could be self-righteousness, but you would move from one, uh, from one addiction to another. And i got to tell you something, the only thing that really works is when you get to the core issue, and that is by surrendering control of life and trust to God. It's the only thing that brings peace, you guys. It's the only thing that will allow you to turn on the news and see that things are crazy and still sleep at night. Because you know God is good. You know He's in control. You know He's sovereign. And i got to tell you something. That's the battle of the Christian life now is trusting God. If Two quick passages. 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16. So you know I'm not making this up. It's very clear. I could have ended the message 10 minutes ago. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. 
To those who are perishing, we are the dreadful smell of death and doom. We remind them of what's coming. They're going to hate you naturally because of it. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. That's why we gather. Because together, we smell really good. Most of you. If, if you want to know how serious this was, look what Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 10 before. As he's getting close to die, resurrect, and ascend, he says this. How about this for a pep talk? Hey, boys, look. When he says look in the New Living Translation, it's verily, verily in the King James Version, which is code for lean in. What I'm about to say is super important. I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. Let's close in prayer. That's not an encouraging note. What, there, is, there is myriads of church leaders today telling you that God wants you to have an easy, good life. I don't have any idea how they teach this. If the disciples weren't supposed to have a wealthy, easy, and good life, what makes you think you deserve that? I mean, this is the message of Jesus. Look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves, so you need to be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. So be smart. But beware, for you will be handed over to the courts and flogged with whips in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But here's the cool thing. This will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God's going to give you right words at the time. How cool is our God? He's even got a plan for our arrest. For it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Well, how will He do that? Well, He lives in you. He's going to give you the words you need. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child. A children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all nations will hate you because you are my followers. Break! I mean, I, I, I realize this. It's like, I think I want to go to... I don't know. Let's go to Houston. Let's go to one of the big churches where they tell me how good it is. I'm telling you how good it is. In the next life, it's going to rock. But until then, buckle your seatbelts. I'm so sorry that we were lied to. I'm as frustrated as you. The truth is, God is our only hope. Not our government. Not our family. It's God. There is a war taking place between God and Satan that is fierce, and we in America try to avoid it. We often don't take it with the seriousness it deserves, and you were adopted into that war. Nobody, you don't have to earn the right. You don't have to prove yourself. I hear all the time, well, you're a pastor. Satan's going to attack you. I, I want to be clear. You are the temple. Satan's going to attack you. This isn't a different temple. This is, I just get to talk in front, okay? And if I fall, somebody else will rise. Ask Adam. Sit down, Adam. Sit. He just stood up and raised his hand. I just want to say something about Adam. He just read my notes. Don't give him that much credit, okay? It was the notes that were that good, all right? The boy can sing. He can play drums. He's like, hey. Oh. I used to be like that. The, the truth is, the truth is, if I fall, if I sin, if, if, I, if I destroy myself, if I'm hit by a truck, God will raise up another shepherd for you. Because we're not the shepherds, we're the under-shepherds. He's the shepherd. He hires people to speak on his behalf, to protect you on his behalf. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple. You have the Holy Spirit living within you. If you think God only attacks people who talk a lot, I got news for you. You don't understand how this battle rages. 
He does his best work, not at the leadership of Hillsong or the leadership of Bethel. He does his best work in the pews. You see, people think that I'm paid to be righteous. There's only one reason that you would walk with God, and that's because you believe this. On the other hand, every time you choose to sleep with somebody that's not your wife or badmouth somebody or tell somebody off, it just confirms what everybody believes, that Christianity is a Sunday thing. I'm not dogging you. I believe that you are the most faithful group of men and women I've ever had the privilege to do life with. But I want you to know why we do this. And that just because we do it well, there is an unspoken thing, and I think it's even at Carpenter's Way to agree, to a degree. It's like, hey, come in. We're cool. You'll enjoy us. You'll have a good time. You'll really like our church. I got news for you. I talk to a lot of visitors. They don't like what we say. You know, there's a group of people, this is a side note, there's a group of people who think we're a cult because we don't have any windows in our worship center. <laughs> when they ask me, are you a cult, I always go, as far as you know. Do you have any money? Come, come to Carpenter's Way. <laughs> Actually, what I tell people is it's six-month tithe-free with transference of membership. <laughs> you go, it is funny, everybody's suspect. You know, we just need to walk with Jesus. Because the most important testimony isn't the one that's done on Sunday mornings from this pulpit or iPad, (laughs) but it's the one you do on Monday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's just walking in this community because you, my brothers and sisters, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But I do have bad news for you. Just because you're faithful doesn't mean that this community, the Bible Belt, is going to love you. In fact, I would argue that they're not going to love you because you're not passionate enough about the presidency. You're not political enough. You're not baptizing enough. You're not in their face enough. You love gays. They're not going to understand why you do that. You love adulterers. You minister to people. They're not going to understand that because they don't. This is why it's called the upside-down kingdom. This is why Jesus taught the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who... This is why he said, pray for those who persecute you. Love those who persecute you. Pray for those who who hurt you. It's upside down. It's unnatural. It's only natural as our nature becomes conformed into the image of Christ. Dear friends, 1 Peter 4.12, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. To which I want to say, you're crazy, Peter. To which he responds, I used to think that too. In fact, I denied Christ three times on the night he was beaten because I didn't believe you could have joy. But I'm telling you now, Jesus is everything. So which Peter are you, my friends? I know most of you are saved. Which Peter are you? Are you Peter on the night of Jesus' death? Or are you Peter a few years later who's writing this letter? It's not like he's living on a holy hill easy. It is within a couple years of writing this that he will be hung upside down on a cross. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in suffering. When it says make you partners, the Greek means it develops you into a partner. You are becoming a partner with Christ. Well, what does that even mean? It means that just as Christ suffered as the temple of God in this life, so too will you as the temple of God in this world. You're partners. The word for partner here is koinonia. Many of us who grew up up in before, do you guys realize that The year uh, 2000 was 22 years ago. We're old, guys. I thought Y2K was a a month and a half ago. I mean, it is nuts. We are old. Isn't it weird? It's like, because I still think when it's like, oh, she was born in 19, well, my kid, 1996, Annie was born. 
Zach was born in 96. She was in, it doesn't really matter. I, don't, I still think my grandson's my nephew. I call him by Zach's name. It's beginning stage of dementia. You'll, you'll find that funny later. Um, but, but, you know, when I hear that, I'm like, oh, they're not, you know, that wasn't that long ago. And then all of a sudden I realize it was 25. I have a 26-year-old son. 26, I'm too young. For, I mean, I know you're looking at me going, he's too young to have a 26-year-old son. It shocks me. Of course, last week I went into a store and they said, you're over 50, so you get a discount. <laughs> I don't want that discount. And I, what makes you think I'm over? And I did. I go, what makes you think I'm over 50? And she's like, oh, I, I said, I, shut up. <laughs> oh, gosh, it's, yeah, I embrace it. You're right. It's, it's, the, the, the thing is, you guys, that, that life is fleeting, it's coming, and we get the privilege of with what's left to actually partner with Christ in his work and even in his suffering. I don't want to partner in his suffering. If they hated him and he did love perfectly, how are they going to feel about us, you guys, really seriously? Because we're still going to get mad at times when they spill tea on us at Chili's. And then you, then you go, I shouldn't have reacted that way. And the, and, and the waitress comes back, or the waiter, and you say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have reacted that way. I'm having a lousy day. Maybe yours is worse. Thank you for the tea in my lap. I wanted Coke anyway. I mean, this is the upside-down kingdom we're living in. It's little Davy going, thank you for hurting me. It's looking up into heaven and saying, okay, I'm, gonna ex- I'm going to count on you avenging this. And God says, okay. It's an amazing thing to have a relationship with the living God. And, and I, I want to tell you again that I have the same frustrations you do. I have the same thoughts. It's why I don't watch the news much. I, I read it online in the mornings, and I still don't believe what I read, but I read it online in the mornings, and then I really don't get on Facebook much because it just changes my outlook. Actually, actually it validates my outlook. The Word of God is changing my outlook. Anybody else understand what I'm talking about? The Word of God is changing my outlook, but Glenn Beck confirms it. Even if he's right about everything, he's wrong on one thing, and that is the king is going to vindicate his kingdom. He is going to set his kingdom up. He's going to bring people home. He's offering us the opportunity to minister, and one day we're going to be in the new Eden, and it is going to be awesome. Wait till you see my house. All technology. No gold, all technology. It's going to be so great. Well, that's kind of selfish. Yeah, but you know what's cool? And this is a new thought in my head. Jesus said, I'm making a place for you. Really? You would do that for me? Yeah, you're my son. But right now, here's what I need you to do for me. Don't be surprised when you suffer. I want to remind you that we suffer because Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. This is the other one that has been so powerful. I know I've thrown you off, Kevin. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it's going to magically appear. There it is. Like a miracle. God saved you by his grace when you believed, right? Amen, everybody? And you can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God, right? We all agree with that? Verse 9, salvation is a reward for good things we've done. And now we go, thank God for that. So none of us can boast about it, right? Verse 10, we're God's masterpiece. That means we're the work of God. That's all it's saying. God did all the work, right? He's created us anew in Christ Jesus, and here's why. 
so that we can do the things he planned for us long ago. And, and here's, here's the thing. Some of you are going to go, okay, what is that thing? We need to do gift surveys. No, we don't. No more gift surveys. You don't even need to know what the work is. You may not even identify the work is he's got for you. Just go to work and love the demon-possessed kids the best you can. And love your own kids the best you can. And love your spouse the best you can. And the world, the sphere he's put you in, love them. When you get tea on your lap, love that person. After, instead of yelling, going, can I pray for you? What can I after the ice is gone. It's just, it's just looking out to minister. It's looking at life different, remembering that everything you do reflects on your daddy because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. It's an upside-down life. Well, still, how do I know what God wants me to do? It tells me that when I am changed in the way I'm thinking, my behavior will change, and then I will know what God's will is, His good, perfect will of God. Whether they like what you do or not, but Philippians 1.29, look at this, I love this. This is so good. For you have been given the privilege of trusting in Christ. Is that great? Some of you, wait, I, you all read ahead. It's not fair. I should have put this on two screens. How cool is it that we have been given the privilege of trusting in Christ? Isn't that awesome? Yeah, you're, you're waiting for me to read the rest. I'm not reading the rest until you get excited. Thank you. Now we can go but also the privilege of suffering. I don't want to suffer. Neither did Jesus. Seriously, he really, really didn't want to suffer. How can you say that? The prayer in the garden. Take this cup for me, this cup of suffering, but not my will, yours be done. So you can pray that. Help me to have a good life. Help me to get a good job. You know, I'd like that boat, Lord. You know, help me, to, help me to use the boat to glorify you and give it to my pastor once a month. It'll make me feel better about myself, you know? But not my will, Father, yours be done. If you don't get the boat, it's not his will. If you get the boat, you better use it for him. I'm not talking about living in poverty and intense. I'm talking about living upside down in your thinking. I was telling somebody this week that there's nothing wrong with being rich. You just have to understand he owns everything. That doesn't mean you can't have a nice house if that's how the Lord blessed you, but use it for the kingdom. Do you know, I think it's much easier for us to go to North Lovkin and work with poor folks and hand out shoes and hot dogs than it is for the rich. And I got news for you. The rich need Jesus as much as the poor. So if you happen to be in that community, that is your mission field. So reach out. Have them in. You, many of you remember Gene and Devereaux Chapman, and I've used this illustration before, and they're both with Jesus now, so I feel way more open to talk about them. They were as Baptist and conservative as you have ever met, but the Lord had blessed them with some level of wealth and community contacts in the Crown Colony group, and you know what I mean by that. This is not a slam on anybody, okay? But I remember one day Devereaux coming and meeting with me going, I think I finally figured out how to minister to my friends in Crown Colony. I'm a little embarrassed. And I said, what? He goes, I'm going to host a wine and cheese eating thing. <laughs> You're nodding because I think they talked to you about it too, Barbara. I mean, it was like really a problem for them. And they kind of wanted me to know. They weren't asking permission because that wasn't Devereaux's style, but they wanted their pastor to know that they might be associated with alcohol, which they didn't drink. And it's like, go get them. Don't be jealous of the wealthy. That's their mission field. Don't be jealous of the poor. That's their mission field. Don't be envious. God has put you where he's put you. Glorify him. Walk with him. 
Well, how do I know what he wants me to do? Let him change the way you think, and all of a sudden the world will open up as a new opportunity to serve. Because you've been given the privilege of trusting in Christ Jesus and also the privilege of suffering for him. Back to 1 Peter 4. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partners in Christ in His suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it's revealed to the world. This doesn't say you're saved by suffering, but remember earlier in the message, and I, I didn't point this verse out before, but let me be clear on it. The fact that you are suffering validates that you are part of the suffering crowd. If, you are, if Jesus suffered because that was the Trinity's will for His life, right? And because He was doing the will of the Father and because He was the temple and He contrasted the false temple, you are the same. You are part of the temple crowd now, God's temple. And religious people, above all else, will hate you for it. Unless they will join us. But that's just how this plays out. You will have wonderful joy when you see His glory and it's revealed to the world. If you are insulted because you bear the name Christ, you will be blessed for the glorious Spirit of God rests on you. But, verse 15, huge but, but I don't even need to talk about this much. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or being a pain in people's rear end. Thank you for laughing, Julie. It's true. You all know this. Well, I'm suffering today because I take a stand for heterosexual marriage. I told three homosexuals off this week. That's not persecution. You deserved that. It is our life that is the temple, not just our rhetoric. It's our lives. There are no points for bringing it upon yourself. And, and this is not a complete list, but I think it's interesting it starts with murder, stealing, and we would, we would agree with those two. Amen, amen. Making trouble or prying into people's affairs. If they're lost, the worst thing in the world isn't that they're gay, it's that they're lost right? That they don't have a relationship with God. So we can deal with the discipleship part later, but we need to start with their souls, right? Here we go. Big finish. 16, it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. It's okay, because it is embarrassing, I'm sure, to be in jail. But it's no shame for suffering for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by His name. For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And let me explain that for a second. We are not condemned. But because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden, we are living in a fallen world, and it is going to sting. Death doesn't kill the child of God. He has conquered death, as, as Chad Song said this morning. We have conquered death through Christ, but that doesn't mean we don't feel the sting of it. And it begins with the church in this that the unsaved, fallen world is going to resent followers of Jesus. And that's what he's talking about. For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what a terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news. And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what is going to happen to the godless sinners? I want to speak to those of you who do not know Jesus Christ for just a second. What time it is. If you don't know Christ... We beg of you to meet him today. What is coming? You can't even fathom it. It is God's wrath unhindered because you were born under the wrath of God. 
A few years of pleasure, even if you can find that pleasure in your flesh, is not worth what's coming, and we beg of you. Don't join us at Carpenter's Way necessarily, but join us as children of God. Accept his offer to forgive sin. You know in the deep place of your heart you are not measuring up to holy standards, and God's a holy God. And he invites you. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And we are not here bragging, arrogant. We are broken, struggling people who want to vindicate ourselves and want to be liked by the world, and we are learning that we are here to serve the world that hates us. Join us. Well, that's not a very attractive. It is when you realize that you have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus. 1 John 1.9, if you confess your sin, He's faithful and He's just to cleanse us from sin, from all unrighteousness. And His goal is to adopt you into His family. His goal is to use you in this life as His temple, no matter what the world thinks. Join us! It's not worth it. It is so stupid to reject God's offer to forgive sin. Brothers and sisters, do you remember how precious this thing we have is? This is so cool. It doesn't matter what happens. If, if, if Moscow drops a nuke on Lovkin, which I haven't figured out why they would do that, but if they did, do you realize an eighth of a second after, we're home? I mean, seriously. I heard this week that there are some Christians who believe that at the rapture, the Christians actually die, and then they, go to believe, then they go to be with God. I just, For those of you who know what I'm talking about, just the rest of you, just bear with me for a second. You know, I don't like heights. So I've always been a little bummed on the rapture. I mean, I don't want to float up. I don't, it makes me nervous. How high? What if there's no oxygen you know, before I meet Jesus? So I've always been kind of nervous about that. But the other thing is death. I don't, I don't want to die. I'd, I'd rather just kind of no, I don't want to float up. So now I'm finding out from some Christians I got both at one whammo. It's very discouraging for me. I just want to be with God. Wow. Oh. You know, that's new for me. You know, that's new for me. I actually think God's pretty cool. I, I, I'm not belittling Him. I'm just saying, I actually like God. You know, when I was growing up, I just feared Him. And now I'm looking at the world, and it's going to hell in the handbasket, and it likes it, and it's, it's indulging in its flesh, and I'm looking around, and I'm going, you know, this place isn't as cool as I thought it was. And I'm watching people, and I'm ministering to people who are stuck in their sin, and I'm like, you know, that sin isn't as cool as I thought it was. Thank you, God, for delivering me from that. Brothers and sisters, you have been delivered. Now take your eyes off yourself and put them back on Jesus, even if it kills you. What do you got to lose? You're going to die and be raptured anyway. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I heard that this week. I never heard that before. Bless the baby. It's time to end. <laughs> Put Romans 12, 2 up there. It's a good time to finish. So what do, what do I want out of this? The big idea. Pastor Mark, that's a lot of stuff you've said before. I want us to understand that God needs to transform us into new people by changing the way we think, not by pastors yelling at you. I want you to know, and I hope you know this, that every time I open this word, I am one of you, and I'm still looking at this going, rejoice at persecution? <laughs> I'm sure glad I got a Jeff. I can work it out after he's persecuted. I mean, the, the truth is, I, I don't look forward to that like you do, but this is what the Lord has hit me with this week, Mark. Quit trying to figure this out in your brain and your flesh and you just trust 
I can do that, God. I think, okay, I can do that. That's my application this morning. Stop trying to get ready for persecution. You don't have to figure it out. You don't even have to worry about what to say. Just trust him. Big finish, 1 Peter 4, 19. Last verse. So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing just what's right. What am I supposed to do? They're persecuting me. Just keep doing what's right. And trust your lives to the God who created you. I love that end. For he will never fail you. He will never fail you. He's never, ever. Big finish, folks. He's not going to fail you. But I'm going through this. He's not going to fail you. But it feels like he's not going to fail you. Our government, not going to fail you. How do you know? He just promised me. He's not going to fail you. He's not going to fail you. Even if you don't see it on this side of eternity, 10 seconds after you get there, you're going to see it. He's not going to fail us. Lord Jesus, thank you for promising not to fail us, even if at times it feels like you are. Now help us trust you. Change the way we behave, not by us knowing we've got to change now, but by changing the way we think. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, We've been doing a new thing for the past month. If the Lord is speaking to you in a special way, we don't do an altar call here, but up here uh, in the right is some communion elements, and maybe you want to spend a moment with your family or by yourself just talking to the Lord. Don't, don't waste it. It's going to be fine. Just, you can sit up at the front, take a piece of communion, and just spend some time with the Lord. I'll be up here. Some elders will be up here if you'd like to pray with somebody, but we'll leave you alone to talk to God. Enjoy this beautiful Sunday afternoon. God bless you guys.